This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours of music, talk and information. And, of course, Ireland's easiest quiz, €700 for 10 easy questions in 30 seconds. How bad? I noticed there was a definite pep in Brian's step this morning, as indeed there is in most people's steps that I've met and seen over the last 12 hours or so, with the welcome news yesterday that many, if not all of the COVID restrictions that have governed our lives over the last very difficult 23 months are being loosened and indeed removed as and from 6 this morning. But Brian is sensible too and we were talking earlier between us about the continued need to be careful and continue to do our best to avoid the COVID virus at home at work and in public but there's no doubt it is great news after a really tough two years and uh, we can all afford to look ahead with a bit of optimism I think. This morning on the bottom line, the Central Bank of Ireland is the state institution charged with maintaining price and financial stability in the Irish economy as part of the ECB. It also inputs into decisions about interest rates and other important economic policy matters and during the week I was pleased to get the opportunity to speak with Gabriel McClough who's Governor of the Central Bank of Ireland and who sits on the board of the European Central Bank. We'll be bringing you an extended interview later. Over the last 23 months I've lost count of the amount of times we've talked about pivoting new initiatives to help businesses through the pandemic and the need for constant innovation and adaptability. We'll talk to Fiona Deegan and Kieran Comfort of Kilkenny and Carlo's local enterprise office about the pandemic impacts and the opportunities and about a report issued during the week by Tanish de Leo Varadkar. But first, joining me on the phone to discuss some of the business stories making the headlines is Morwenna Cunningham, uh, Dublin Bureau Chief at Bloomberg News. Good morning, Morwenna. Good morning. Uh, you've been around the world, but you're based in Dublin now and uh, you were tweeting the church bells were ringing out last night in Dublin City. Um the news greeted with great enthusiasm, but a bit of, su- of a surprise. Yes, I think really it was expected that quite a lot of the measures were going to be dropped. Uh, ministers had been, um, you know, touting that throughout the week. But the timing really did come as a surprise uh, to many, especially starting from today, you know, the speed and the timing um, so, you know, we expected maybe early closing of hospitality venues to, to be ending sometime, you know, fairly soon. But I don't think people thought we'd necessarily see a end to distancing and capacity limits and the COVID certificates and certainly, you know, not from today. Mm. And it all happened so quickly because I was just looking back and... Um uh, on January the 5th, the Taoiseach was saying that the peak may not be seen for 10 days or so, and, and the teachers' unions were calling for the closure of schools, uh, or the continued closure of schools, and there was spectres of, there was discussions, well, if we close them, they might not open up again until April. That was less than three weeks ago. Yes, it does seem that there has been a turning point. We've seen a, a reduction in cases, and um, the health officials do seem fairly confident that we are past the peak of the Omicron variant. Um, as um, Michal Martin said yesterday, you know, we've weathered the Omicron storm. 
And I think, you know, that's really down to our high vaccination rate. And although we have had a large number of cases, um, they do seem to have been falling. And really importantly, the hospital numbers um, have both been going down, but also we just never saw the surge that we saw um, in January uh, 2021, you know, when we had more than, um, you know, we had fewer than half the cases, but double the um, hospitalizations and and people in ICU. And so I think the conclusion, um, you know, the government came to is that given that, that the rationale just isn't there um, to have so many restrictive measures in in place. Um, And, you know, a lot of it was there to protect the, the hospital system and it seems to be doing okay. Yeah, and uh, I heard on our news there that it was being reported that the government says that it is expecting a rise in cases. So that will still have uh, challenges for business because uh, people still need to isolate and so on. So I know from speaking to many businesses that they're finding the going tough at the moment because many people are out. So business not out of the woods completely yet. No, that, and that's the point. You know, he did say that obviously removing so many restrictions there will be um, a, a temporary temporary rise in cases and as you said the, the restrictions that are staying in place are things like if you test positive you know the self-isolation period will be just the same as it was recently announced um, and close contacts and so yeah there will obviously still be some um, you know implications for, from rising cases um, but I, I think that you know they're going to extend some of the um, employment wage subsidy scheme um, and you know I, I think it will obviously be up to individual businesses how they operate and mm. in fact with the return to work um, plan that was announced yesterday there's no longer going you know businesses can start a staggered return to the workplace um, you know it was specifically um, you know as appropriate to industries you know based on individual circumstances so I think that's going to be conversations that you know, employers going to be having with employees. I expect there'll be more information, you know, on, on how on how that works, and it won't be um, the same for everybody. I'm sure. Yeah, um, you report on Ireland uh, for Bloomberg's international uh, audience. Looking the other way, what's your sense of how Ireland fits into the European and the worldwide um, perspective now as regards um, recovery or living with COVID or moving on through the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think Ireland has been on the uh, more conservative side um, at times, you know, particularly compared to our neighbours, um, you know, in the UK, um, who sort of had a, announced the Freedom Day, you know, in the summer, um, and then reluctantly, you know, reintroduced some what we would see as quite, um, you know, basic measures recently. But they this week had a fairly dramatic move, you know, to scrap rules, um, including things like wearing masks, um, so they really are getting rid of everything again. Um, and France has said it's going to relax curbs. Um, so it does seem to be um, a, a trend across Europe. And certainly there doesn't seem to be, um, you know, much will to tighten things, even as we're seeing, you know, record numbers of cases um, mm. in the continent, particularly at the moment. One of the things that is being retained is the use of uh, COVID passes for travel and and restrictions easing on that. But uh, Bloomberg was reporting that uh, Ryanair uh, looking ahead with a lot of confidence and it's snapping back for for, uh, Michael O'Leary and crew, uh, a bumper summer in prospect perhaps. Yes, absolutely. Um, So Eddie Wilson um, was telling um, our reporter Peter Flanagan this week that they expect 
um, to have you know more capacity this summer than they did in the year 2019, which of course was before the pandemic. Um, and that's after they've you know cut some seats in January and February because of um, Omicron. But they are they are seeing this summer you know being uh, a big deal uh, for for airlines. Although he did also see that he sees an increase in fares. Um, and, you know, obviously there has been a reduction in capacity across the rest of Europe's airlines. So um, I think, you know, a lot of people will be looking ahead to the summer now and, and trying to book. Um, and I think other people have been talking about this, you know, people looking for that sort of blowout vacation, you mm. know, have it, having missed out. Um, but, you know, there, there will be issues. Airlines have struggles, um, you know, and um, I think there's going to be a lot of adjusting in that industry. And, of course, though, as you said, there are still restrictions on international travel. You know, this isn't over. Mm. Um, you know, COVID passes will still be required to enter Ireland and across Europe. Um, and I haven't seen any indication of other countries which have similar restrictions, mm. uh, you know, um, getting rid of those and any time soon. Yeah, while uh, COVID might be starting to go away, uh, one issue that hasn't gone away is Brexit, and it's having a big issue, uh, big impact on on the patterns of business. Dublin Port, for example, has seen big changes. Yeah, so we've now had a, a year since since sort of Brexit came into force, and um, trade does seem to have made a sizable shift. Uh, yesterday, Dublin Port, as you said, they they said that it's changed significantly in 2021 and that's essentially Irish trade with the UK um, you know has reduced and, and well specifically with mainland Britain and more items have been going directly from Ireland to continental Europe um, so there was a substantial decline in volumes with Great Britain but then you know an increase with volumes with the EU so there wasn't actually that big a drop in uh, trade overall um, interestingly, we also had some data this week from the Central Statistics Office and saying that imports into Ireland and exports out of Ireland with Northern Ireland, um, you know, rose um, 64% and 48%. Um, meanwhile, imports from Great Britain, they fell 21% in the same period. So we are definitely seeing a shift there. Um, and it's interesting to see because I, I, I saw something, uh, I think Bloomberg was reporting that two-thirds of the unionist politicians in Northern Ireland are in, are in favour of crashing out of the agreement with the South. That would have a huge impact on their business. Yes, I mean, it's a very, it's a very complicated, you know, arrange, arrangement that, that is in place. But of course, we do have, um, you know, assembly elections coming up. So it is becoming a, a particularly, well, it's been a heated topic for, for a while, but it is coming into focus for both um, the UK and, and the EU. Um, and, you know, this thing has been in place and there wasn't a huge amount of time to prepare. But um, I was up in um, Belfast um, a few months ago speaking to people and, uh, you know, a lot of people felt, well, they spent the year adapting to it. And they have got systems in place now and they have, you know, been trading, you know, with the South more and looking at different avenues and, you know, and they've adapted. And so, you know, suddenly uh, crashing out of the the arrangement as it is, you know, would be welcomed by some, but for others it would just be seen as more disruption. Mm, well, we wouldn't uh, underestimate the capability of some people of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, uh, so to speak. Marwena, uh, thank you very much uh, for joining us this morning on the programme and look forward to chatting to you throughout 2022. Oh, indeed. Thanks so much, Jim. OK, that's uh, Marwena Cunningham, who's Dublin Bureau Chief at Bloomberg News. Uh, coming up after the break, we're going to be speaking to Gabriel McClough, who's Governor of the Central Bank of Ireland. 
The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie The Central Bank of Ireland is, of course, the state institution charged with ensuring economic and financial stability regulation and oversight of the financial and banking sector etc. The bank is an organisation which, this surprised me, employs in the region of 2,000 staff and the governor of the bank sits on the Central Council of the European Central Bank, the body that decides European-wide interest rate policy. Now the current governor is Gabriel McClough, a man who comes with a very distinguished CV. He's a former senior UK civil servant. He served private secretary to Gordon Brown when he was Chancellor of the Exchequer and more recently from 2011 he was Secretary of the Treasury and Chief Financial Advisor in New Zealand and Chief Financial Advisor to the Government of New Zealand until 2019. During the week he turned his attention to Kilkenny when he addressed a meeting of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce and spoke with local students and businesses. Before he did that, I spoke to him and I began by asking him, with so much on his plate, what were the reasons behind him making time to engage with the Chamber of Commerce and students in Kilkenny? Uh, well, probably two, uh, two objectives. Um, one, I, when I became governor, I decided that I wanted to get out and get to understand uh, the country better. Um, So I started a series of visits, uh, which were then uh, physical ones, which were then cut short, of course, with the pandemic. Um, And we managed to continue them uh, virtually. And now we're, uh, unfortunately, the pandemic is still stopping us having virtual visits, but um, we are continuing those. And the second reason, and this is a substantive one, is that uh, I think it's important that the central bank um, has a good understanding um, of how the the whole economy is working. For us to uh, do our job as best as we can, I mean, we're responsible for maintaining uh, price and financial stability. Uh, and providing uh, economic uh, advice. So uh, I think to do that as well as we can, um, we need to get out of Dublin. We need to go and talk to businesses uh, actually in the country um, and around the country and uh, listen to the challenges they're facing, how they're meeting them, etc. So uh, this is very much what I hope to do in my visit uh, to uh, Kilkenny, uh, as I wish it was uh, physical, but anyway, uh, in my virtual visit. Uh, but at the same time, uh, taking the opportunity to, um, as you said, to meet some uh, students uh, who are doing, um, who are interested in economics, uh, and just to talk to them about economics and the um, you know what it is as a subject, what the central bank does. So it's really at the end of the day, the visit is primarily about uh, informing myself of what's happening in Kilkenny, but also taking the opportunity to explain uh, to uh, uh, to people I meet 
my own views, what the central bank's doing, and to answer any questions. Mm. Now, I was interested to read, uh, you write a letter to economic students every year, and in your most recent one, you outlined why you think economics matter. Why do you think economics matter to your average person in the street and and your average small and medium-sized business? Well, at the end of the day, people um, uh, live in a society um, and, in effect, they live in an economy. Uh, and economics is the study of uh, how societies work, ultimately. Um, uh, it's the science of, uh, of what happens uh, all around us. So it matters. Economics matters, and um, it's a. Uh, it's. Uh, I mean, there's. It's a debate um, that uh, we have in academia as to whether economics is a natural science like physics or whether it's a human science. Uh, but at the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned, it's much more a human science. Um, and if you're interested in how your community is working and how you can improve the well-being of your community, ultimately, then uh, understanding uh, it, uh, I think, is uh, something I'm personally interested in, but I think it's also uh, of value and purposeful. So it matters to businesses who are you know, part of the economy. It matters to Uh, workers who are part of the economy and it matters to people who aren't working actually but ultimately uh, play a role in the functioning of the economy one way or another one Mm. of the interesting challenges that societies have got around the the world is how they um, measure economic activity uh, and uh, what it is that they value about it so um, but ultimately uh, people should be interested in it uh, because it's about the, them and their community and ultimately their well-being. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, role of the central bank and indeed the European Central Bank and central banks everywhere in ensuring financial stability. COVID-19 must surely have been one of the most uh, unprecedented shocks to the economic system. Um, uh, the economic system seems to have survived intact. What were the challenges, the stress, and what have the lessons been of the last two years? To a certain extent, I think we're we're still learning uh, some of the lessons, but uh, absolutely, it's an exceptional situation. And I think I wrote in the blog uh, early on, the beginning of the pandemic, that um, I thought it was a unique uh, situation in, in sort of global history because governments actually chose uh, governments across the world chose to close down economies. They, they chose to stop uh, economies working. They chose to stop the supply. They chose to sort of stop demand. Um, and uh, that's never happened before. Uh, the closest you might get to it is, is in a war situation. But normally all that happens in a war situation is um, economic activity is redirected towards something else. It was pretty unique. To try and understand uh, what was happening, obviously, was uh, a challenge. And uh, one of the big characteristics, and which to an extent still exists today over the last two years, is there's been enormous uncertainty about how initially uh, what the pandemic 
uh, meant, what the virus meant. Uh, then afterwards, once we discovered vaccines, um, to what extent uh, were the, could they be, how quickly could they be rolled out? What would be the impact on activity? And then we had variants of them. So from an economic perspective, understanding what the initial response uh, has been, was, um, needed to be, uh, what its impact would be, and um, what it means now has been a lot of very new ground for us. But, you know, some of the fundamentals um, that had to be met, I think, were met, um, and uh, successfully so. So one of the lessons was that, actually, when you get a shock like this, it is important that the state um, or the government um, uh, uh, provide support to uh, businesses, to workers, etc. Mm. Um, and uh, we saw across the world enormous uh, response on the part of, um, of governments, supported by central banks uh, as well. But that sort of prompt response, um, I think, has helped uh, us and certainly helped uh, the Irish economy um, do reasonably well, actually, mm. uh, in the circumstances. But yeah. I think we're still learning a lot of the lessons. Yeah. Now, one of the un uh, unprecedented levels, I suppose, is the, the level of savings. People didn't have things to spend money on oftentimes during the pandemic. And the level of savings in Ireland is is quite large. You wrote also in your blog about it's a key question whether those savings are regarded as income or wealth. Which do you think or is that kind of um, uh, question still unresolved? And why does that question matter? Well, I, I think that's a very interesting. That's a very interesting point, and I think um, uh, well, one reason it matters is that uh, if it's it's really a question of people uh, look to turn those uh, exceptional savings, as you say, people accumulated savings because they didn't have anything to spend, but also at the same time because uh, they were uh, receiving uh, income, either you know, support from the state or uh, because they were continuing to work. So they were accumulating income, uh, which they couldn't spend. Um, and the, the the big question for us, and we're seeing it actually in the other challenge that we've got right now, which is the inflation challenge, that once restrictions were lifted, um, it did allow people to then spend. So instead of treating... Uh, if I can put it like this, instead of treating their savings as wealth that they wanted to just hold on to, uh, they treated it as income which they wanted to consume. And one of the reasons we have uh, the sort of inflation that we are seeing is that uh, demand um, uh, to consume those savings shot up and supply uh, to meet that demand has found it uh, difficult to keep up. Um, we've had bottlenecks, in some cases more than bottlenecks, but we're almost closer to blockages, um, to, uh, to meet that increased consumption. So uh, that's, that, that's one reason why we've been very interested in how people were going to treat those savings. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got some historical experiences 
of what people have done when they've accumulated savings like that. So, um, and some of it has been post, you know, if you go back to the Second World War, I think post, post-war, the, um, what we saw was a lot of savings went into the purchase of housing uh, and property and pushed crop prices up. Um, but because of this sort of slightly unique situation in in this um, pandemic, it's, you know, we, well, we're observing some pretty clear signs of now of, what, of what's happening to that increased consumption and where it's going. Mm. Um, the, the bank is looking ahead here. The focus of your five-year plan is, is all about the future. You mentioned uh, inflation there. I suppose a question on, on the minds of many businesses is, uh, is inflation uh, temporary related over or has it become embedded? And what's all that going to do to interest rates? I don't know what your uh, point of view is on that, but can you share what your thoughts are? Yes, yes, I can. But let me just take a step back and just talk about it because you mentioned our strategy um, for uh, our new strategy, which is looking sort of five years out. And essentially, I suppose at a very high level, the difference between the old strategy, if I can put it like that, and the new one is that we spent, um, we have invested a lot in repairing the um, the damage caused by the financial crisis. Um, so our focus, I mean, I'm, I'm generalizing here and being fairly high level, but you could say that our focus over the last sort of decade has been about repairing the um, problems of the financial crisis. And our focus now with a new strategy is much more... Uh, about meeting the challenges of the future. And what we what we know and what we can see, and I mean, you don't have to be in the central bank to observe this, but the financial system is changing very rapidly, um, driven by technology uh, in particular. And, and the pandemic and COVID has led to an acceleration of uh, the whole digital um uh, agenda. So uh, the central bank is now um, putting in place uh, plans for how it's going to meet the um, the challenges of the future. And part of that, part of our plan, is to make sure that we build much more uh, engagement with, uh, hence my visit to Kilkenny, much more engagement and connection with um, communities and businesses across the country to understand what they're experiencing because I think a feature of change uh, right now is its pace is much greater than it's ever been. The change is happening. Change has always happened in societies and economies, but it's happening at a much faster pace. And uh, I think one of the ways to uh, meet that challenge is to make sure you understand what's happening on the ground as much as possible. But turning to your... um, inflation point as I said a few minutes ago the um, we do you know the inflation we are experiencing now essentially um, as measured essentially comes I mean there are three broad reasons for it um, one of them is what we call as economists which is uh, simply base effects in other words you tend to measure inflation 
uh, over a 12-month period. So um, the number you get today depends very much on what, what, what happened 12 months ago, and that will tend to wash out fairly um, uh, quickly. And we uh, euro area inflation um, up till now, a big factor in it has been changes to German VAT rates, which are going to leave the calculation uh, of inflation uh, shortly. Secondly, um, what I said uh, a few minutes ago about the fact that supply cannot keep up right now with uh, the increased demand. And we do see over the course of this year um, those uh, supply bottlenecks getting repaired, those blockages, to the extent they become blockages, getting opened up. So we do see inflation uh, falling uh, during the course of this year. Uh, and the third uh, reason we've got inflation where we have right now is to do with energy prices. Um, and that's a bit more complicated a story, but again, we do see uh, that challenge as um, as not persisting. So we do see inflation uh, falling. Um, it'll probably, in the euro area, stay over 2% throughout the course of this year. Um, but it'll fall from the levels it's been at. Uh, where it was at the end of 2021. Uh, the big challenge for us at um, the central bank is at European Central Bank, which is, of course, where we monetary policy for the whole of the euro area is uh, managed, uh, will be to keep a very close eye on whether there are any what we describe as second round effects uh, of inflation. So if, for example... Um, we start to see wages rising um, without uh, uh, corresponding increases in productivity. Uh, that would signal to us a, uh, the risk that we're going to get into a bit of a wage price spiral, which is really what fueled inflation um, back in the 1970s. Uh, in particular, and, and I know a lot of people uh, can't remember what happened in the 1970s, but you know, this was an era when uh, it was pretty normal to see inflation rates in double digits, and uh, which is quite extraordinary when you think about it now, uh, and very unusual. But uh, so if we see if we see uh, risks of those sorts of second round effects happening then we will definitely be taking action at the European Central Bank uh, to manage that. But otherwise, uh, one, of the um, one of the things that has been a feature of economies over the last decade has been very low rates of inflation, which have also led to very uh, low rates of, uh, of interest. Um, and we're seeing the economy, I mean, you know, because of the pandemic partly, we've had a very, very, what you might describe as loose monetary policy. Uh, because of the pandemic, as a result of the pandemic, as we're now coming out of the pandemic, we're seeing economies recover. So we may, um, uh, over the coming years, 
uh, or we should uh, see monetary policy becoming a bit tighter to what it was um, over the last uh, uh, two or three years. Hmm. Now, what is the pace of that change? I think that's um, that's uncertain and to be seen at the moment. What uh, my own view is, I don't expect uh, interest rates uh, to go up. Um, the European Central Bank to put up interest rates in 2022. Um, but we're going to have to keep a close eye on that. I mean, elsewhere in the world, I mean, the UK, the Bank of England put up interest rates at its last meeting. We expect the Federal Reserve of the United States to put up interest rates um, at its next meeting. But uh, in Europe, I think we're probably on a slightly slower uh, track to see what you might describe as normalisation. Mm. Finally, um, for those businesses unable to participate in your uh, virtual visit to Kilkenny, have you any message? And indeed, what would your message in general to business owners, managers, and indeed people working in business across Carlow, Kilkenny? Well, I mean, I think um, from... Uh, firstly, I'm sorry they can't, uh, but I haven't had a chance to uh, to meet them. And I hope if I uh, get back to uh, uh, Carlo and Kilkenny, in fact, one of my first uh, trips um, uh, as governor was to go to the ploughing in Carlo a couple of years ago, um, all, of course, pre-pandemic. As a newcomer uh, to Ireland, that must have been quite an experience. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, I mean, I came as well. It was just a gloriously sunny day, and it was. It was amazing. It was amazing, um, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it was quite some experience, as you say. Um, and I've also visited uh, Kilkenny City itself. But uh, I think my my message to to businesses is, um, well, firstly, to wish them well in the challenges they're facing right now. Um, and uh, secondly, the central bank is interested in um, what uh, uh, what they're doing, how they're seeing the world, um, and to look to feed uh, sort of information uh, through to uh, groups like the Chamber of Commerce and others, um, and uh, to uh, continue to sort of make sure they understand their customers and the world uh, around them and continue to strive for greater productivity etc um, but we want to we want to understand their experiences um, and we will continue to uh, uh, to look for opportunities uh, to do that over the coming uh, over the coming period well Gabriel McClough governor of the Central Bank of Ireland thank you very much for joining us on the bottom line Thank you, John. Local at ours. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Now, it's hardly news to anyone that the last two years have been like nothing we've ever experienced before. And the threats throughout the pandemic to the survival of literally tens of thousands of businesses were literally unprecedented. While it looked unlikely as the pandemic first hit our shores, business has proved remarkably resilient. And what's more, people have even grown and developed businesses 
and started new ones throughout the pandemic. Through it all, uh, people from your local enterprise offices have appeared regularly on the bottom line with information about support, advice and assistance for people in SMEs struggling to cope with the pandemic, but also starting new business ventures. During the week, Tanishta and Minister for Trade, Enterprise and Employment, Leo Varadkar, released figures which underline the vital role played by local enterprise offices. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Fiona Deegan, Head of Enterprise with Kilkenny Local Enterprise Office, and Kieran Comfort, her counterpart in Carlow, who's Head of Economic Development and Enterprise with Carlow County Council's Local Enterprise Office. Good morning to you both. Good morning, John. Can I start with you, Kieran? Looking back over the past two years, uh, unprecedented hardly covers it, uh, but you pivoted yourselves, the local enterprise offices, to cope with the challenges. Yeah, over the last two years, you said there's been significant challenges for the business community. And firstly, we in the local enterprise office pivoted our services online um, in the context of all our training went on, all our advice went online, but also we embraced a number of government initiatives and products for the acceleration of the trading online voucher scheme and also the business continuity scheme. And what was really essential in the early days of the pandemic, it was really about people wanting someone to talk to, people to get a bit of guidance and also provide a supportive network there because everyone was in this together and the local enterprise offices were very much in this with the business community for the last two years. Uh, pivot is the perhaps one of the biggest business words of the last two years, Fiona. As Kieran said, you did pivot uh, yourselves, but the business community reacted very strongly and embraced the supports from the local enterprise offices. Absolutely, John. I suppose the results announced by Minister Varadka and Thonishta there during the week, really, you know, it's a testament to Ireland's small business community. You know, when faced with adversity, they adapted, they pivoted, they upskilled, and they, they did whatever it took to sustain themselves. And I suppose the figures show that companies have seen the opportunities and the challenging trading conditions that they faced. And the local enterprise offices, you know, we went way above and beyond in terms of the support of the small businesses and that was due to funding uh, that was uh, that came from from government which we were able to uh, you know circulate throughout both counties here in Carl and Kilkenny to support those businesses and to get them to look at upskilling and training and sustaining and pivoting and uh, Kieran, the, the speed of change was something remarkable, really, because I remember, you know, the government would make very significant business announcements, say, on a, on a Friday evening, and you'd be expected, you'd have people on the phone, presumably on Monday morning, asking you questions about very complex uh, schemes and supports and so on. So speed was of the essence. Yeah, um, I suppose behind behind the engine today is the local enterprise office is obviously Enterprise Ireland and the department and there was a system put in place obviously to ensure that we were all kept informed and briefed on the various schemes and also our own schemes had to be designed very quickly as well so the continuity voucher scheme for example to ensure that people could access advice in the early days was essential so you know, as local enterprise offices it was key that we kept up to speed with uh, the announcements from government but also we are the first stop shop in Carlock and Kenny it is our job so any business people are community can ring up and get that advice so and we'll continue that way past the beginning pandemic and also we have Brexit during the time as well so uh, one of the key features is about signposting so providing support and local enterprise offices there over the last two years to do that. Fiona can you give us some sense of the growth that was experienced during the last 12 months? 
Yeah, I suppose we, you know, as from the jobs announcement um, nationally, I suppose there was about seven, nearly seven and a half thousand new jobs created. And I suppose in both in Carlow and Kilkenny, there was over um, nearly 500 jobs created with a net probably of over 100 jobs and that's taken into account job losses so that was hugely hugely successful in terms of those businesses and I suppose where we saw you know um, you know the issues that businesses were having even at that even with those like our engineering businesses had issues sourcing and retaining general operatives and skilled and semi-skilled engineering staff so there was you know when we were doing our survey which we do every 12 months we contact all our financially supported clients that are on our portfolio and they would be mainly in the manufacturing and internationally traded space so I'm not talking about the your mainstream t- retail and tourism and hospitality businesses mm. this survey is based on those uh, manufacturing and um, and um, export type businesses and I suppose our role is to try and grow those businesses to become Enterprise Ireland clients and the key focus is on the whole export market so there were even at you know, there were businesses at p- that point in time who had vacancies and they, they had issues actually trying to recruit staff. So, I mean, if that was in place, job numbers would have been a lot a lot higher, John. Mm. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. We're with you until 10 o'clock. Uh, I'm joined on the line by Fiona Deegan of Kilkenny Leo and Kieran Comfort of Carlow Leo. We'll be back after these. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie Welcome back. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purse with you until 10 o'clock. Kieran Comfort is on the line and also Fiona Deegan. And we're talking about the local enterprise offices and their contribution to Ireland's business environment during the last two unprecedented years. Kieran, uh, Fiona was giving us an indication of the very impressive job creation uh, undertaken or that took place under Leo's uh, over the last number of years. Can you give us a kind of an overview of the types of new businesses that were starting and where the job growth was coming from? Yeah, so the job numbers represent manufacturing and internationally traded services companies uh, that were established and developed in Carlow and Kilkenny. Um, so in Carlow, traditionally, we've had a number of engineering companies starting up. We've also had a number of services companies starting up. And they're always, um, in, in the context of our, our job creation the last 12 months, it was market opportunities or new market opportunities. But also some were due to the fact that people established companies uh, who were uh, remote working in Dublin decided to take the opportunity during the pandemic to actually be self-employed and to start a company where they live as well as uh, so to have a work-life balance when the pandemic ended. So it's a real mixed bag in both counties and I think overall you know, it really proves the testament of the resilience of the ind- Indigenous entrepreneurs in both counties that you know they very much know to spot an opportunity it's our job to support that opportunity when they spot it Yeah now we may be coming to the end of the acute phase I suppose you could call it of the pandemic but there's lots of challenges out there for business business models are changing there's a constant need for innovation Brexit is ongoing and so on coming out of Brexit what kind of courses and what kind of areas will the Leos be focusing on Fiona? 
Yeah, well, sure, there's a huge, huge range of supports available uh, to all businesses. And I suppose when we talk about the job numbers, we're talking about a very specific group of businesses that are in the manufacturing and internationally traded space. But our other supports, our wider supports, would support the whole array of businesses that would be in both counties. And, for example, we would be... We, we would be providing assistance for businesses to look at export markets through our technical assistance micro-export grant. We will be providing our training and management development programs to upskill our businesses, and a lot of them did that in the past. And then, I suppose, one of our really core pieces of work is the mentoring service that we provide. So we provide an export per an expert panel of consultants that businesses can actually access free of charge to get particular advice and one-to-one information on on various issues that they would uh, run into on a day-to-day basis. And then I suppose our focus going forward with businesses and in our new um, strategic plans will be focusing on, you know, the whole digitalization piece and businesses looking at how they can be more competitive within their business. We'll be looking in the whole sustainability piece and we offer are green for micro vouchers which will allow people to take in consultants to look and see how they can be more green or more sustainable within their businesses and and with that again be more competitive uh, on national and international markets and the provision maybe of lean programs again looking at their innovation and looking at their competitiveness as well within their business just to ensure that Irish businesses are you know at the cutting edge and, and they are innovative and, and that they are competitive uh, on national and international markets. Finally, Karen, uh, we're coming out, as we said, and as we've heard uh, since the announcements by the government over the weekend, we're coming out into a new and more optimistic phase. How do you see the environment for business for 2022? Yeah, obviously, we from talking to business on the ground, retail has a challenge ahead of us, and obviously reinvention and hospitality as well. We're finding on the ground when it comes to our core clients, manufacturing and international traded services, they're all keen to scale. So it'll be an interesting year because obviously the economy is a balanced piece of infrastructure and it'll be interesting to see how it interacts with each other as we come out of the pandemic over the next 12 months. Well, look, we're looking forward to uh, following all those exciting business stories and there's a real feeling of optimism around now as we turn some sort of a positive COVID co- uh, corner at the start of 2022. Karen Comfort, Head of Economic Development and Enterprise and Fiona Deegan, Head of Enterprise in Kilkenny and Carlow, respectively. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. At the heart of it all, KCLR. Indeed, and that's all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line. Remember, if you have any comments or ideas you'd like uh, to get to us, you can email the bottom line at kclr96fm.com and you can listen back to this or any episode of The Bottom Line uh, on our podcast. Just search for The Bottom Line on KCLR on the Apple Store, Google Play or Spotify. Thanks to all our guests this week, Marwena Cunningham, uh, Gabrielle McClough, Fiona Deegan and Kieran Comfort. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produces the show and thanks most of all to you for listening. Enjoy the newfound freedoms brought about by the easing of restrictions across society. Remember, it's not the end of the pandemic, but it is the beginning of the end. So stay safe, stay sane and stay tuned to KCLR. All going well. We'll be back with you next Saturday after the news at nine. In the meantime, keep doing the right thing, keep it real and keep the faith. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast.